Hi, everyone. It's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Today, my guest is the founder of a swaddle you've seen all over the entire world. In fact, I can't imagine a world where you wouldn't have seen this swaddle. Aiden and Anae. She also wrote a book called What It Takes, Miss Reagan Moya Jones, or Rakes, as they like to call her in Aussieland. Today, I have a lovely guest who I am very starstruck by because as a mom-to-be being gifted and Aiden and Anae, a blanket was a rite of passage. And then it was like, collect them all for me at least. And all my children have been swaddled to um, as tight as I could in her incredible swaddles. Um, But she also has written a book called What It Takes. And I'm really excited to talk to Miss Reagan today. You're not the first person, actually, Rebecca, that's told me they cannot part with their Aiden and Anae. It's crazy. I've had people tell me that they've been given Gucci and Prada and all of those things, yet the only thing they will not let go of is their $10 Aiden and Anae blanket. So it's it's very... uh, very lovely to hear. Well, I moved from Australia to New York back in 2009, no, 1996, actually. And the reason I came here is because my then boyfriend, now husband, who is an engineer, came over with a telecommunications company to set up the uh, New York office. And we thought we were only going to be here for two years and 22 years and four American daughters later, we're still here. So it kind of didn't work out the way we'd planned it. And the whole reason that Aiden and Anae got started is because I had Anae in 2003 when looking for this blanket that was so common back home in Australia, every parent used them and they didn't exist here. And I, my initial reaction to that was, how the hell do Americans have babies without this stuff because you use it for so many different things? And so I thought every Aussie can't have it wrong and if I introduce it to American parents, they'll respond to it the same way and that was really the impetus for Aiden and Anae getting started. So when we had um, a celebratory glass of champagne, you had champagne and I think I had a Negroni. You did. <laughs> I'm, uh, I would have champagne intravenously dripped into me if I can. <laughs> Um, you shared with me, and it was nice, founder to founder, of this, you know, what you think you know as the story of someone, mm-hmm. and then the, the roller coaster of a ride you had. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear how you launched the company, there's other podcasts. I'm really excited to dig into your book, mm-hmm. and then what happened, you know, with the company, and what made you want to write the book? Shit happened. <laughs> a lot of it. This is not a fairy tale that ends well. <laughs> no. Uh, although I was absolutely knocked down but refused to stay down. So I'm people who do read the book will hopefully look at it as a positive ending despite having gone through a whole lot of very negative stuff to sort of get to where I am now. Very long story short, I brought in an investor in 2010 and they stay, they're a minority investor greatest decision I ever made, too good to be true, these people, Seidler Equity Partners. I attribute a lot of the success of the business to their tutelage and helping me become a better CEO and business owner. And in 2013, I sold Aiden and A in its entirety to a second private equity firm. And the reason I did that is because, and a lot of founders will know this, The business was 
a rocket ship, multi-million dollar global business, and I was a very poorly paid CEO. <laughs> so I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> <laughs> so it really was, it was my first investors who came to me and said, hey, you know you can take some chips off the table here. Again, four children in New York City and, you know, it's not, it's not cheap to raise your, your family in New York City. And so they suggested that I take some chips off the table, set my family up and then put the money back in that I feel comfortable with to maintain a meaningful shareholder percentage of the company. So very long story short, that's exactly what I did. And I worked out very quickly that it was I had picked the wrong partners and I'm really upset with myself for doing that because I pride myself on being a very good judge of character and they duped me. So I had sort of the best of private equity experience and the worst of private equity experience. So became pretty obvious early on after the contract had been signed and I no longer controlled my own business that we did not see eye to eye on the way forward and they were they were power people they were all the things that many of us as founders had heard about private equity and I'm no shrinking violet, so I was pretty vocal about the fact that I didn't agree with them and eventually the relationship just became so broken that it was almost impossible. And in 2016, Aiden and I bought another company and I was told in November of 2016 after we had purchased or right before we had closed that deal that they were moving me out of the CEO role because they did not think that I had the ability to run the combined companies together and that they were going to move me out to replace me with a superstar CEO that could do the job. So that was very tough because from November 2016, it wasn't until July or August, I think it was, that they eventually replaced me. So I was kind of like the dead girl walking for a long time because I wasn't able to tell the team. So that got weird because I was really, I was still the CEO in their eyes, but I wasn't really making any decisions. People would say to me, what the hell is going on? You've always made decisions. So that was a very uncomfortable period of time. And then, as I said, they brought in their superstar CEO, happened to be a middle-aged white man, of course, that, you know, knew heaps about swaddling babies, I'm totally. sure. And he lasted five weeks. So then there was another gap and then they brought in one of the private equity founders' personal friends who had never run a business in his life either, another middle-aged man. And his background was mortgage brokerage or something like that. Perfect for swaddles. <laughs> yes. And then he became the CEO. And then in March of 2018, so last year, they fired me completely. So yeah. Wow. A lot of fun. So fun. <laughs> so 
When you assess back at the situation and you see that they're making mistakes, did it? Did you see that they could see that they were going down the wrong path, or they never even thought no. twice? No, no. Cowboys. You know that was a, that was one of my biggest frustrations. You know, right. I used to point out, you're in San Francisco, looking at numbers on a piece of paper. Right. Now you, as a successful founder and business owner, know that. What you see on a piece of paper does not always translate to what's truly happening in your business. Right. And that's all they understand. They're money people. Right. They're not operators, but they're cowboys and they think they are. So they just plow right ahead, despite the fact that the cumulative hours that they probably spent in our Brooklyn office over the, the time that they've owned Aiden and Danae has probably been less than 24 hours. Wow. And yet they're making all these decisions on who should be doing what and the right direction for the company. So incredibly frustrating. Yeah. But just everything I said fell on deaf ears. You know, they just always, they couldn't understand that it wasn't about my role personally. It was about all I cared about was the greater good of the business. Right. But they just didn't believe that. So in March of 18, when you were fired from the company that you had birthed and grown to be over $100 million and hugely mm-hmm. successful, can we just talk about what that feeling was like and like how did you, how did you pick yourself back up after that moment? I, in all honesty, because it had been pretty bad for quite a while and you ha- remember it was in November 2016 that they first said, you're out as the CEO. So it had been a long time coming. So it happened in a lawyer's office because I had actually I had actually said to them, can we meet so you can tell me what my role is? I don't I don't even know what I'm doing in my role. I, I don't know what I'm here for. You know, every decision I make just gets overruled by this new CEO mortgage broker guy. Um So on advisement from other people that I trusted, they said, just get yourself a lawyer and force them to talk to you. So I did that. And the point of that meeting was meant to be the clear path forward. I just wanted to know where I fit in. Yeah. And rather than that, they slid a termination agreement across the table and said, it's going to be a very quick meeting because effective immediately we're firing you. My absolute initial reaction, Rebecca, was relief because it was very painful to be going in there every day and not having a voice anymore and not agreeing with the decisions they were making and the people they were putting in. So the initial reaction was was relief, but ultimately it turned to anger and grief. You know, the, the, the emotions that people have said you go through when somebody tells you you're dying. I was, I, I really did fall into a very big hole. Turns out getting fired makes you fat. I put on about 28 pounds <laughs> in 10 months. My, even my, my gynecologist, when I went in for my yearly exam, went, what the hell have you been doing? <laughs> I thought, I will firing, be, I've been fired. That's what, that's what's happened there. But so, you know, I did, I, I fell into a very big hole. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was embarrassed. I blamed myself. I went through all these 
crazy emotions. And it wasn't actually because I remained on the board until November of last year. And it wasn't until I also resigned from the board and really removed myself from everything that I was able to start to pick myself back up and get on with it, so to speak. And at that point, had you already started writing the book or you thought this needs to be written about? That's a, that's a, that's a fun story too, because I have been writing this book for over three years. Wow. And that was not a fun call, having to call Penguin Random House and say, hey, guys, guess what? I just got fired. So I actually had to go back and rewrite the end of the book. Wow. Because obviously it was a different ending. You're right. And so, yes, the book was actually complete when I got fired and I had to go back and, and rewrite, rewrite it, it to, to add in the... Uh, the zinger. I, yes. And Penguin had a heart attack. Yeah. You know, so this is meant to be a habit. I said, look, you know, I'm not I'm not going to curl up in a ball and never get back up. I said, this is going to be a motivational ending because I'm. this isn't it for me. Yeah. So I eventually talked them off the ledge and they let me continue to write the book. So what is the book about? It's really when I was first approached to write the book, I said no because I don't have any formal business training. I didn't go to university. I just sort of built Aiden and Ana putting one foot in front of the other and working it out as I went along sort of thing. And I I didn't think I had any business writing a business book because who the hell am I, right? And then my now agent, who was the one who originally reached out to me to write the book, she said to me, just tell your story. It's a great story. And then I started to think about it and I thought, well, there is that underlying message in the book, well, at the time thinking about what the book could be with my story, that if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. You don't need to have all the answers before you start a business. I, I joke and say, literally for the Till we probably got to $30 million in revenue, it was just hard work, common sense and Google that got me there. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just working it out on the fly. So I really wrote the book because I'm a very average person and everybody says, oh, yes, right. I'm like, no, you only think that because I've accomplished what I've accomplished. If you met me before I'd started Aiden and Anae and it was just an idea you'd be like, yeah, she's average. Right. So I just really wanted other people that were doubting themselves that have an idea and don't think they're going to be able to do it because they they don't know how to do it from the get-go will read this book and really take away from it that, wow, if she can do it, then so can I. Totally. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
That's how I feel about my company because I started with no experience. I didn't go to college either. I started my fifth floor walk up. Right. You know, the odds were probably 99% that I wouldn't make it. Correct. <laughs> and and that was another thing I talk about that very, it's a very honest raw book. Yeah. You know, it's a warts and all book. And I thought, if I'm going to write this, I'm going to put myself way out there totally. sort of thing. And I talk about that in the book, that one of the pivotal moments for me when I started Aiden and Nay was making peace with failure and that statistically there was way more chance of me doing this and failing than ever turning it into a $100 million global business. And as soon as I sort of made peace with that and went and internalised that I would rather try and fail than not try because I was scared of failure, it was very freeing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you probably had similar moments through your journey yep. where you're going, what the hell am I doing trying to run a business? <laughs> <laughs> I still have that every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're still running yours. <laughs> oh, man, we've had our moments where we almost haven't. So Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I don't think founders talk about that stuff enough, which is why, again, I've put myself way out there. People say to me in interviews, well, since moving on from Aiden, I go, no, no, I didn't move on. I was fired. I was kicked to the curb, yeah. you know. And I think that's a combination of, and I'm acutely aware that there are a lot of people when they hear that I was fired from my own company that I founded, that I really stuffed up. That's just where people go. Well, she wouldn't have been fired if she didn't right. screw up. Right. But I'm confident enough in myself to know that I know the truth right. so people can think whatever they want. And I do think that there's a lot of shame around the honesty because what's happened to me happens to a lot of founders. A lot. It's just people don't want to talk about it. Right. So I kind of feel it's my duty to be the person out there waving the flag that this is actually very common. and It's so common. And I think I agree with you. There's the shame part of it. But like, I think it's like other aspects that women are now beginning to talk about, whether it's, you know, IVF or miscarriage, right? Like mm -hmm. there's nothing to be ashamed of, but it happens to lots of people. And you make one wrong decision, you get with the wrong partner and that can happen to you, as you said, overnight. Exactly. And I wrote an article for Fast Company. And in this article, I, I, I think I just called it the things I wish I'd asked before I sold the controlling interest in my business. And the one question that I've sort of beaten myself up about that I wish I had have asked along with others, but the obvious question that I didn't ask when I was selling my business was how many founders have you replaced out of your portfolio companies and how quickly did you replace them? If I had have asked that one question, right. because my the, the private equity company that fired me that ended up a bad relationship, they've replaced most of their founders. The private equity firm that was my first private equity firm, Seidler Equity Partners, been in business over 28 years and has only ever replaced one founder out of all of their private equity, out of all of their portfolio companies. Very telling, right? Right. And yet I didn't ask that question and it would have changed the path completely. Right. Wow. 
So in addition to writing the book, you said, I'm going to launch Moonshine. (laughs) Can we talk about that? That is a very, like, when you think there's going to be like a a A path, a pivot, that is a pivot. (laughs) Swaddling babies to the Appalachian Mountains of... uh, Well, we we did toy with the uh, tagline from babies to booze. And anyone who is a mother of multiple children and working understands that that's a very natural progression, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely was for me. Actually, the moonshine was not my idea. Okay. It was my partner who was the COO of Aiden and Anae for many years. I met him years ago at The Economist, and so he was with me for most of my Aiden and Anae journey. And he came to me, it was probably about three years ago, said, Rags, I've got our next business idea. And I went, okay, what is it? He said, we're going to make moonshine. I went, you're a crazy person. (laughs) I said, isn't that for people with no teeth who wear overalls and make it in bathtubs? Yeah. And he said, well, yeah, there is that. But what he pointed out was that it was a very unsaturated liquor category in a very big industry and that there was nobody doing anything new and different with it. And then when he sort of said that, I thought about it and went, okay, well, if you can sort of turn the perception of moonshine on its ear and create a moonshine that people actually would enjoy sipping over ice rather than just shooting to get smashed, then you could disrupt the category and do something different. So that's what we set out to do, create a very premium moonshine that you find in five-star bars and restaurants and in the cool cocktail bars and just sort of introducing it to a whole new audience of people. And we've only been on the market since May 1 and very happy to report we're already in Jean George restaurants and we're on the cocktail menu at Employees Only, which for people who like a cocktail know that that's one of the best cocktail bars in New York City. So where it's, you know, I'm back in the trenches walking the streets of New York City with my bottles of moonshine asking people to buy it. So I'm way back in the trenches, but having a lot of fun building something from nothing again. Yeah. I think that I figured out in with Rebecca Minkoff and then now Female Founder Collective, like there's a Which joy. Which I love, by the way. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you. There's, it's fun to go back into the trenches again and build something from scratch. I think that's what that's what's great and sickening about the whole entrepreneur journey, right? True. <laughs> and and I've been uh, I've been criticised for being honest about that, for being honest about the fact that I much prefer being at the beginning in the trenches and building and innovating and being in the weeds than I do running a hundred million dollar business. Yeah. Renee, I never jumped out of bed. To, to do that when Aiden and Anae got bigger yeah. because it was just a, you were just dealing with all the crap, really. Right. Whereas when you're starting something, you're really, you're building it. Yeah. And I get a lot of joy out of that. Totally. It's like the difference of building a house or, or just living in one. Right. <laughs> exactly. Great analogy. So what are some of the lessons, um, if you can share, I like to ask two questions at the end of all my interviews, like, Something we'd be surprised to know about you. Embarrassing, good, bad, not embarrassing, just shocking. And then lessons you've learned that might help our listeners with something they're going through. Okay. Wow. 
I'd say people who know me know this, that I do drink too much champagne. <laughs> so, What's too much? Let's define what too much is. I, I don't need a special occasion to drink champagne. It is in my wine fridge at home and I will go home and open a bottle and quite easily finish a bottle of champagne at the end of the day. Love Just, it. I really do drink too much of it, but I'm sure I'm judged for that by some people, but it works for me. I also get a lot of joy out of seeing people fall down or run into doors and things like that. It's <laughs> just a random thing, but oh my gosh, I really do find that so funny. Um. Um, so that, and then sort of on a more serious level, I think the fact that I'm actually an introvert and I really hate putting myself out there. Wow. Yes. That is very, I'm, I am surprised to know that because you yes. don't come off that way to me at no. all. No. Yet internally I'm dying when I have to do this wow. stuff and the spotlight's on me. So I'm, I'm most definitely an introvert that's just a really good actress. Impressed. And then the second question. Uh, that, just a, anything you've learned that you want to pass on to my listeners of like a lesson or great advice. I would say from a business perspective, just be very careful if you ever get to the point where you're contemplating selling the controlling interest in your own business. Do your research, ask the right questions. And dare I say, unless you're selling it to Seidler Equity, who I would vouch for every single day and have sent a lot of my entrepreneurial girlfriends their way and they're very happy with them as partners, is if you are still very passionate about running your business and it, you still feel strongly about it being your vision, don't don't sell the controlling interest. Just don't do it. Yeah. You know, that way that then you know you're completely safe. Totally. And where can we get your book? The book is you can just go to reaganmoyerjones.com and more importantly for those people who'd like to try premium moonshine, you can go to St. Luna Spirits and you can buy buy yourself a, a great bottle of moonshine there. And it'll give us directions on how to drink it. Yes, all the cocktails, fabulous. Oh my gosh, there's a espresso martini with CBD oil wow. recipe on there, which is really nice to finish off a evening having drunk a bottle of champagne. Okay. Before. <laughs> I was going to say, now that you're in moonshine, are you giving way to moonshine more than champagne? Not, but I probably shouldn't say that, but it's probably a good idea that I don't own a champagne company house then because be dangerous. I just drink all the profits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was Reagan Moya Jones, the founder of Aiden and A and the incredible, hugely successful book, what it takes. Also, starting a new company, Moonshine. Who knew? Thanks for listening to Superwomen. Superwomen.